we all are dealing with different issues. But the reality is, this life here is a season. I love what, what the way uh, Bishop Mark Filkey said, he said it like this, that you and I are living in this parenthetical space called time. I mean, no, God does not exist in time. God describes Himself as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and then the end, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He who was, who is, and who is to come. The God who is everywhere, all present at all time, and uh, He is the eternal God. Amen? And so for you and I, Brother, God bless you. you got to be awesome. Praise the Lord. Amen. We've been talking back and forth on Facebook, but he has a new job, and he's been trying to get a Sunday off. It's awesome. Praise the Lord. Woo! Amen. I'm happy for you. Praise the Lord. And, uh, but we live in this parenthetical space called time, and Bishop Filkey says it like this, that God created a space called time and a place called earth for a race called man. God interrupted eternity. Amen? Jesus has promised us that we will be with Him for all of eternity. Time without end. The Bible says the day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. So there's no distinction in there. That's why we're in a hurry and God is not. We think it needs to be done now. He just thinks it needs, He just agrees that it needs to be done. Amen? And, and, and He knows when it's best to be done. How many know what I'm saying? And that, and so if, if we would just consider it done, we could probably get over the time hump. God considers all things done. We've talked about the cross, everything is finished. We, we think it still needs to be done because we haven't seen it yet. He says it is done. How I many know Jesus finished all his work and sat down at the right hand of the Father? We've seen. And so he's resting from all his work. God on the seventh day rested from all his work. Everything in him is finished and complete. It's just coming to pass in its appointed time. Let me just say this, even your life, I don't care how old you are, how young you are, your life has appointed times. Your appointed time. Our problem is, is we want our appointed time to be the time that we think we should have our time. And this is my time. This should be my time. I should be here. I've done. I should arrive. This is my time to arrive. No, God has an appointed time for our life. And so God, when we talk about Him, God interrupted eternity, created this space called time, and this place called earth for a race called man. And God is doing something and perfecting us and working in us that is conditioning us, if you would. I like what Brother Joel said. It was a great thing that this is earth university. And it's preparing us for eternity with God. And so as we leave here, whatever our space of time is here, whatever we have in, in, in our life here, we know this is not it. Man is plagued by the question, is there life after death? I'm still amazed that we, I, I like what Pastor Sue was listening to Joyce Myers yesterday, and, and, and she said it's not a truth, but evolution is still just a theory. Not a proven truth, it's just a theory. And so the theory, and then I keep walking, I keep waiting to see a really smart monkey to where they would somehow catch up somewhere. Because the smartest they can get is just go in and the new Disney movie Chimpanzee is, is that the smartest they've gotten is to lick a stick, put spit on it, and stick it in a termite hole and pull it out. Pull it out. Now we have a tool. Now they're, they're manufacturing tools. No, they spit on grass. They stuck it in a hole, pulled it out. Or they break a, a, a nut with a rock or do something like that. Oh, now they made a tool. And that's supposed to be our forefathers. Well, our fathers kind of progressively moved on from there. 
We actually put a handle on the rock. We actually have hammers that are battery powered now. We have, you know, we have drills. We have, you know, we've, we've got away from the extension cord. This is so cool. We're a little further than spitting sticks. Are you with me? So from that standpoint, but, but the theory of evolution somehow, rele- it, it, when we understand that somehow it, 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 it removes me from this cloud of what happens after life. Where did I come from? And if I know where I came from, then it's kind of important where am I going? Is there life after death? What do you believe? And so this concept, what is next? Are you with me? What is next? And so all the different things that are connected to what is next are part of what we wrestle with. And the cross came because of what God has planned for us next. The purpose of the cross is that God had a plan for us. God always created, desired for us and created us to be with Him forever. Then something happened that separated us from Him. And so the cross made the way for us to be reconciled back to Him. As Mike shared in communion this morning, that we were separated. And so God made a covering where His judgment could pass over, where we would not be consumed. And now we could be back in fellowship with Him. And that fellowship would never end, but we would have an eternal relationship with God. Are you with me? So, in uh, John chapter 15, and we've kind of been talking about this through the abiding principle, and looking at this in John 15, and verse 1, now now I want you to just listen to a few verses with me, and we're going to highlight just a couple words. Verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, every branch where? In me. That does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide where? In me, and I where? In you, as the branch what? Cannot bear fruit what? So unless it what? Where? In the vine, neither can you unless you what? So how many know there's a lot of in right here? I mean, this is like overemphasis. In, 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 in. Not just around, but literally in. Not, not, not just agreeing, but in. Are you with me? In Him. Abiding in Him. Living in Him. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who what? Where? In me. And what? I in Him bears much fruit, for with what? Without me, you can do what? Nothing. Without me, you can do... Without me, you can do... Now, let me put this into perspective. He's not saying we can't do anything. He's just saying you can't do anything that's considered fruit in the kingdom without me or apart from me. Stay with me. If anyone does not abide where? In me, he is cast where? out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them where? I mean, no, we just found another end right here. Thrown into the fire. And they are burned. If you abide where? And my words abide where? You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Many times we just quote that. You can ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Woohoo! That's good. That's true. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. But there's a whole lot of biting that goes on before you get to asking what you will. 
Are you with me? And so now what I'm asking is for God's word and God's will to be performed and, and living by his life flowing through me. Amen? Verse 8 says, By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Turn with me to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11 is a deep chapter. Book of Romans, Peter wrote about Paul and he said this in 2 Peter. He says, as our friend Paul has written many things which are hard to be understood. They are weighty and they are deep. And many people have even twisted them to their own destruction. I'm going to tell you, we're going to read some things. There is a lot of twisted doctrine and beliefs in our society today, especially in Christianity. Sometimes Christianity is one of the most schizophrenic things you could ever be a part of. It's just weird. It's like, how do you even come up with that? What are you reading to where, you know, where are you getting that? And, and come on, now you're just making stuff up. Because if you read the Bible, you, you just can't come up with that. If you read the Bible, you cannot. That's just not in there. And so, some of the things that's out there is there is a replacement theology today or a teaching that somehow we, the church, have somehow surplanted or transplanted Israel. And now God is doing through the church and Israel is cast off and all this stuff. And it's just plain stupidity. It's a phony doctrine. It's a lie. We have, the church has not replaced Israel. We are being grafted into the root. Sal, Jesus said to the woman at the well, salvation is of the Jews. And God has opened up. And there's, we're, I don't have to get way in here, but God says this in Isaiah 55. He says, my ways are not your ways, and your ways are not mine. My ways are higher than your ways. And in God dealing with sin and with humanity, God has to be righteous and just in everything He does. And so in order for God to judge the world, He also has to make salvation available to the world. You have to have the right and the opportunity to repent and accept Christ in order to be judged by Him. You can't be judged for something you've never given an opportunity to receive. Are you with me? And so God brings and had through the Jews has made salvation available to the world. Read with me beginning in verse 11. I say then, Paul speaking of Israel and their falling away. Have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentile. Now, is anybody in here that you could trace your lineage and you are a naturally born Jewish person? Okay, Mike, Paul, and Paula. Paula has, uh, okay, and uh, Amen. And uh, but okay, so we have two in here that are naturally born Jews. Everybody else, you are a Gentile. Oh, Richard. Okay, I'm sorry for Richard. I didn't see your chicken wing wasn't high enough. I'm sorry. Amen. So anyway, in that area, okay, we have three out of a multitude. Amen. Out of, the rest of us are Gentiles. You do not come from a natural Jewish as we shared Tuesday night, and even in that, okay, I, I know that somewhere I, I have a Jewish lineage, and I come, my, my parents came from the nation of Israel, but even right now, when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, all the records of Jewish lineage were destroyed. So there's no Jew who can say, well, my, my family's of the tribe of Benjamin. There's no way to prove what tribe you are of. 
Those were all destroyed. The only person who can prove his genealogy, which was amazing, as we shared this on Tuesday night, we're going through the Gospels, as I, I, I read it in my studies last week, and uh, for the first time, but the genealogies, when, when Christ records that, we go, well, how come the begats are in there, and all this stuff, and it just seems so boring. Because God saw fit to preserve the genealogy of Christ. When He returns, He will be the only Jew that has a record of His birth and His family that can prove that He is of the tribe of Jesus. Judah, and he has legal right to the throne of David. Amen. And God saw fit to record it in the Bible. Amen. And so, for that, for you and I, but, but the rest of us, were Gentiles, so salvation has come to the Gentiles. We came through that, and it's come to us. Now, if their fall, watch this, verse 12, is the riches of the world and their failure, riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness... For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry if by means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. So how are they going to get saved the same way you and I do by accepting Christ? Amen? So we have today what we, what we call Messianic Jews. For if they are being cast away, watch this, if they are being cast away as the reconciling of the world, what will be their acceptance but life from the dead? Verse 16, for if the first fruit is holy, the lump is holy, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, with them became a partaker of what? The root and the fatness of the olive tree. Jesus said that if you are a branch, you abide in the vine, and you produce by what the vine supplies to the branch. Paul's saying here that you and I, we are grafted in. And if you would, this is a wild olive tree. And so we come along and we jerk something out of here. Somewhere. We transplant you out. And now we graft you in over here. Okay? And now you're going to partake of that. Alright? You were wild and now you're grafted into the true. That seems a little brutal. So did the cross. It, yeah, it's death. You died to this and now you're now alive in that. You're dead to the old and you're alive in the new. And the reality is, if we don't get you, if we just pull you out and we don't get you back on life support pretty quick, Okay, you're going to wither and die. And so, what Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't bear, apart from me, you can do nothing. And last week we said, the lie of Christianity today is just this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus did not ask you to believe upon Him. We did not read in John 15 to believe on Him. We read abide in Him. Live in Him. Receive Him. I in you. You in me. So it is, it, it is that divine union and connection that we have in Him. Are you with me this morning? And this is just the bad stuff that needed to be pruned anyway. Praise the Lord. Stay with me. Stay with me. You, we all have some. You need some stuff that the Father comes and prunes. Amen? So you can bear more fruit. So what? Do not boast against the branches, but if you boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. Which is that doctrine for the church to say we are Israel and everything else, and God is now working through the church, and we are the true Jew. Paul just said, hey, the true Jew 
is the one that has a relationship that is circumcised in his heart because it does you no good just to cut your flesh and never change your heart. Outward thing. God is an inward God. He's not an outside God. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. And so, watch this. Verse 19. You will then say, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. Because of what? Unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith. Look at this. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, He may not spare you either. Ooh. How many read this for your devotion day and you already know I'm going? People read these verses and go, okay, I read that once. I don't think I'll ever go back there again. Verse 22, Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fail severity, but towards you goodness. Now watch this. If you continue where? Jesus said, if you abide where? In me. Now watch. And in His goodness, otherwise you also will be what? Isn't that exactly what Jesus said in John 15? That if the branch is not bearing fruit, if it's not abiding in Him, then they are cast away? Stay with me. And also if they do not continue, also if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Praise the Lord. Now let me walk through the outline with you for just a couple moments here, now that we've read some of these scriptures. Look at the cover. A.W. Tozer said this, The cross is the most revolutionary thing to ever appear among men. The cross of Roman times knew no compromise. It never made concessions. It won all of its arguments by killing its opponents and silencing him for good. The cross killed every opponent that it had and silenced every argument for good. It spared not Christ, but slew Him, the same as the rest. He was alive when they hung Him on the cross, and completely dead when they took Him off of it. That was the cross the first time it appeared in Christian history. So we just had Easter, Resurrection Sunday, and we're spending these few weeks after that remembering the power of the cross. But when Jesus went to the cross for you and I, He went there as our judgment for our sins. He went there and bore our judgment. The only thing that made Jesus guilty, the only thing that got Him to the cross is He chose to bear your sins there. And it's Colossians 2.14 to have every ordinance that was written against you, every transgression that's written against you to be nailed to His cross on your behalf and on my behalf. Somebody ought to be excited about that. So that's what took Him to the cross. Now watch this. With perfect knowledge of all this, Jesus says this. If any man will come after me, let him what? Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. How many know that is a challenging statement? That challenges us. So the cross not only brought Christ's life to an end, it also ends the first life, or the old life, for every one of His true followers. Now I'm illustrating this, and I brought the two trees out here today, because this is your life on the other side. As we'll see in a moment, there are certain things about our life, really, from this is what you look like before you got saved, and this is what you look like after you got saved. You kind of look the same. Your hair color doesn't change. It doesn't even stay in. I mean, everything, I mean, everything about you basically looks the same. Are you with me? The only difference is, is the type of fruit that you produce. It's the only difference. 
is that when you, you were producing a type of fruit over here, but now when you come over here and you're grafted in, you begin to produce a different fruit, which is why the Bible says you will know them not by their appearance, but by their fruit. Are you with me? But it's on the other, that life is on the other side of the cross. It's not over here commingled with my old life. It is on the other side. So when I come to Christ, I pass, are you with me? I pass from death unto life. And now the life that I live in Him is a brand new life. The deception of the enemy is to come back over here, to cross back over and go back to the old life and continue to produce the same old fruit because it really looks kind of like that. And I can do all, you can do all the good of the gospel. I'm way ahead of myself, but for time's sake this morning, I can do every good of the gospel over here. Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, Jesus says, Many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these great Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we heal the sick in your name? Didn't we do miracles in your name? Didn't we cast out devils? We did all the good of the gospel in your name. You said the problem is it was done over here, it was not done over here. And so he says, this fruit over here is not what I authorize or ordain for your life. This was you doing good things in my name so you could still have your own self-willed life. But you can't come to the cross and live a self-willed life because when you go through the cross, you have to die. This is the door of death and the pathway to life. And true Christianity. And what I'm saying today, and, and, and I don't know if I can communicate it, but if we start this, I sense there is such an urgency today. you know that we live under the promise of the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ? We are a rapture-believing church. If you don't believe in the rapture, I'll let you stay here and you can send me pictures to heaven. You can like Skype me from here. And I'll talk to you, that'd be cool, but I do not want to be here during the judgment of God. Amen. But we believe that the church has an appointed time where, where what you would call dispensationalist, which means that God deals with man at different times in specific ways. I mean, know what I'm saying? God says, I'm dealing with man this way, the dispensation of this. This is the dispensation of grace. Adam and Eve were in innocence in the garden. We were under the dispensation of the law with the nation of Israel. Now we're, under, we're not under law, we're under grace. Amen. But there is coming the dispensation or time of His judgment. And we are not in a time of wrath. And we are not appointed unto wrath. Amen. And so, but the temptation is to live over here and produce everything that looks like and somehow present it as the same and ask Him to receive it. And He does not. Are you with me? Okay. So Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. So the cross not only brought Christ's life to an end, it also ends the first life, the old life of his true follower. This is nothing less, this and nothing less is true Christianity. Please hear me. This and nothing less is true Christianity. A.W. Tozier was exactly right. There are all kinds of things to say us today. Well, to be a believer, you just have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. No, you don't. You have to die. Christianity is a resurrection. It is life. It is new life in Christ. We'll see this in just a moment. Stay with me. We must do something about the cross, and there's only one or two things we can do. 
flee it or die upon it. What a great statement, amen? We either flee it or we die upon it. Look at the inside of your outline. There's no, no greater conflict for a person to face in life than the cross of Christ. To come face to faith with it is to be confronted with the subject of our sin. Everybody say sin. Not the sin of the world as a whole, but the sin of our very own heart. Every one of us in this room has committed sin. When I come to Christ... I'm no longer a sinner. I'm saved by grace. But I still have the ability to operate out of my old nature. And when I go there, I produce sin. I stumble and I can fall. But the Bible says that when I fall, I now have an advocate with the Father who pleased my case. Because I'm trying to live the life of Christ. But I am in the process of being made new. Old things passing away, all things becoming new. I'm in the process of putting off the old and putting on the new. Are you with me? Salvation doesn't mean you're instantly perfect. It means you're instantly in the process. Amen. I mean, it's like the Bible says that the newborn babe, Peter said, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And so if we expect Christians to be perfect all the time, and, and that's part of the hang-up that we have at church, the devil uses it. The, the devil is, he isn't smart. He just has learned how gullible we are. Not smart. He makes you expect Christians to be better than you are. To expect, well, if they're a Christian, they shouldn't act like that. I can't, I can't believe the people of that church, they act like that. I can't believe they treat me like that. I can't believe they act like that. Well, like you, let me know what I'm saying. But somehow, if he can get you to judge them like that, you know what he does? You know what he does? You know what his goal is? I can't believe they act like that. Look at all these people. They just, look, they just all try to act like, look like, he wants you back over here. And then over here, you do all your self-righteous stuff. And your talk is very self-righteous. I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. Look at them. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching real good. Okay, stay with me. That poor little branch getting worn out. Amen. Confused little believer. We'll get him saved before the day's over. Amen. Stay with me. Now watch this. The cross carries two conflicting positions in the world. Power and foolishness. For time's sake, I'm not going to read it, but 1 Corinthians 1, 18, 19, Paul says, the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them who are perishing. I preach on the people. That's just, just so stupid. That's foolish. Completely foolish. Besides, we came from monkeys. Here's, here's what I don't get. If we preach a truth that has been validated and has literally changed and transformed lives, how many can literally say, you're here, you've been born again for an extended season, and God has changed your life? The truth of the gospel has changed your life. Okay, nobody who believes in evolution can say that. Now that I know I come from monkeys, I'm a new man. Bondages have just fallen off. It's amazing. Amazing. Uh, but, 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 
And, and then, when the earth comes, they just make stuff up. And, and when they talk about fossils and dinosaurs, I agree there was stuff before we got here. I believe that, come on, it's very self-centered and, and egotistical for us to believe we're the first thing God ever did. He always has been, He always will be, and somewhere in eternity we're in this thing. And so I have no problem with things being older than us. Fossils. But when they say, well, you know, this thing, they, they found like the world's largest shark. I was watching the Discovery Channel, and, and they got like, oh no, it was the, the super boa, the, the super snake. This thing's supposed to be able to eat, you know, African Nile dino, uh, alligators and stuff. Crocodiles. I mean, it's huge. You know, like gets them and can swallow them whole. It's just that big. It's, so it's just super snake. But, but they found this thing, and it's like a couple little pieces of bone, and they find this, and, and then they make this head, and then this guy makes this styrofoam mold of it sitting there, and when he made the actual mold, he's got an alligator going down his throat and made it look lifelike and stuff, and these scientists are looking like, a, oh, that is so cool, that is exactly lifelike. You were there, you seen one. You had a piece of bone. You, and, and so several million or billion years ago, this is what this creature looked like. And this was his behavior. Dude, you are making stuff up. Are you with me? But somehow if you preach the cross, the cross is foolishness. But I can take you back to a city called Jerusalem. And I can take you to a hill called Calvary. And I can take you to the physical place where God's Son in the form of Jesus Christ gave His life upon the cross. And where He literally uttered the word, It is finished. and disclaim it, and call it foolish. It can never, and has never been silenced or stopped. And the more you try to put it out, it's like a fire. The more you try to stomp on it, sparks shoot from under your feet, and go over your... Every place the church has ever been persecuted, it is multiplied. Amen. Sometimes a little persecution in America would do us good. Amen. Not popular, but who cares? Praise the Lord. So Paul said that the power and the foolish, to those who are being saved by it, it is power. To those who are perishing apart from it, it is foolishness. The cross is the constant reminder of sin. Can't look at it without remembering why Jesus went there. Man has always looked for an alternative to death for sin. Is there another way out? No. Listen guys, Christianity is the promise of life after death. That's a promise. What do you have? Ray Montero's brother is on is facing cancer in, 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 in its final stages. Talked to him, was with him this week, and he prayed with his brother. He said, Pastor, I I I I, peace, I know I led him to the Lord. He said, you know, we would all like to live to be however old. I haven't even dealt with thinking about that yet. Sometimes I think, I'm good. Anybody ever had a day where you just think, you know what? Heaven sounds cool. <laughs> you know, you're just dealing with stuff, dealing with life. Paul said it like this. I'm, I'm kind of caught. Paul said, I'm kind of caught. Because to be absent with the body, to be present with the Lord. But it's better for you that I stay. But he says, I'm caught. 
Because I know what's waiting. Amen? And so Christianity is that we, it's a whole. Paul said we're laying up treasures in heaven. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. And so we're kind of like, okay, I will endure until I get there. And, and we learn how to make it through. We're equipped to make it through here to get there. Are you with me? So Christianity is the promise of life after death whenever that comes in our heart. When we really get down with the ones we love, it's like when when I get a little passionate when I see our young people and I try to encourage our teenagers and stuff because we think youth is a security against death. We think age means you don't die. That if you're young, you don't die. But when teenagers have the car wrecks and they they have the drug accident or they commit suicide or, or somebody's goofing around, and one of them has an, I mean, I share the testimony every now and then when I talk about this, about the two teenagers when we were pastoring in Bieber, they went out deer hunting on opening day of deer season, their, their, their beginning of their senior year in high school. And they're not seeing any deer, so they, they're out on the flat there in Big Valley and they see this, this herd of antelope running along. And so what they decide to do is to, to shoot around the antelope, just to plink shoot, not to shoot any of them, but just to shoot at them and make them run. So they stop the truck and Travis gets out and gets on the passenger side and leans across the hood. And Trevor has his gun and the gun rack in the back and he reaches and pulls his gun out across the gun rack and he has his hand on the trigger. And when he does, he hadn't unloaded his gun. So when he swings by the windshield and he hits it, bumps the steering wheel and he hits the trigger and he blows the back of his friend's head off. And I get the call as the pastor. And so here are two teenagers and they're just there. And, and yet a few months earlier we had had a youth service and I saw Sean did something with the cross over there the other day and some nails and, and, and putting some things on the cross and nailing things up in youth. But we had have a service and, and young people come and written their names on a piece of paper and taken it and nailed it to a cross and said my life's in Him. I'm giving to life. I'm dying myself. I'm choosing to live for Christ. And so we could go back and there was Travis's name on that piece of paper so we know that he given that, but look, he's just 17 years old and his life is gone. And when he got up that day, he fully expected to be home for lunch that afternoon. His parents thought he would be home that afternoon. When we went there and first got there, there was a young man who, who was actually going to a different church in the community, but he's out working on his ranch, and his three-year-old son walked behind his tractor and he ran over his own child. And I'm just saying, we're thinking about, oh my goodness, life should be, but Christianity is the promise of life after death. Are you with me? And so the, the moment to preach the Christ, the time to consider the Christ is right now. Your friends on high school, your friends on the campus, well, I don't want any. I just got a blurb. I belong to this thing called classmates.com. We keep in touch with your old, you know, the old people that used to be high school kids. But we just got to know, one of the guys that graduated, Donnie Hunsaker, just died this week. 59 years old, just dead. I mean, they didn't really end, but he had different things and stuff. And, and, and I don't believe that Donnie was saved. Because he was, he was a, a, a ruffian, a hoodlum back then, and we didn't really have gangs back then, we just had dudes. Man, just run, you know, we get drunk, go beat people up and stuff. That was as close as we got to a gang. Amen. Ride around, get in fights, do stuff. Just act stupid. Amen. Amen. If we wanted to paint anything, we painted our cars. We didn't paint walls and stuff. Anyway. Hallelujah. But I'm just saying, I'll say, look, it ends, but we have this promise of life after death. And that's what the cross is. Are you with me? The cross was and still is God's only answer for sin. Hear me this morning. 
Until a man sees his sin as God sees and understands the serious of its effect, he truly cannot be saved. Please hear me, church. I love you with all my heart. And I wish there was an easy way for you to be saved. But until you come face to face with your sin and deal with the fact that Jesus died for our sin, you cannot be saved. Acts 16, turn there with me quickly. Acts chapter 16. Say, how can I know my friends are saved? How can I know my loved one is saved? And I'll just tell you this. Jesus said there's no works connected to our salvation. This is what God expects. Look it. I've prayed with people who have accepted the Lord in just a brief moment of time they've gone to be with the Lord. Amen? And we call that the 11th hour confession that people receive the Lord right at the last moment of their life. And so they are not required to do anything to be saved. But from the transition of the time that I accept Christ and I enter into life with Him, while I'm here, my life should be producing evidence that I'm in Him. Not just having a false idea that I just accept Him and I just believe in Him and I have this idea about I literally have to be in Him and living for Him. Are you with me? That's, that's what Christianity is. Acts 16 Watch this. And we know the story. Paul, the Philippian jailer, him and Silas are thrown in. They pray. They're singing praises to God. And just a side note, the last couple of weeks we talked about abiding in Christ, being seated in Him. When you are seated in Christ and you know you're where with Him, regardless of your circumstances, you will still be able to raise your hands and praise the Lord. In the midst of your dungeon, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your persecution, you'll still be praising God. And when you have that assurance down on the inside, you know that you know that you know that I am in Him. I am accepted. I am in the Beloved. I'm fulfilling His will for my life. I'm bearing fruit for the kingdom. Persecution may come against me, but I know that I'm smack dab centered in the will of God. God, I just praise You. I magnify You. You begin to worship. Then heaven breaks through on your behalf. The chains fall off. The doors open. And then the jailer says this, Sir, what must I do to be saved? Please stay with me here. So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and the rest of your house. And so that's what he said. Okay, just believe. But it does not stop there. They go to their house and they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And they took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, peeking to Paul. And immediately he and his family were what? Baptized. They didn't just believe because baptism guys means that, wait a minute, you just explained the cross. That means He died for my sin and for me to receive Him, I have to now die to my self-life. I have to die to myself and baptism is a means of being buried by faith that I identify with His death and I want to be raised in that newness of life. So immediately after hearing the whole gospel Today we just go up to people, well, just do you believe on Jesus? Yes, pray this prayer. I believe I believe. Okay, you're saying. No, you haven't told them the whole gospel. You didn't tell them they have to die. You didn't tell them they have to repent. You didn't tell them that they have to live a brand new life. You didn't tell them that the old has to pass away and all things have to become new. You gave them a false assurance. You pulled them out of there and just stuck a little life in their pocket. Don't shout me down this morning. 
And so now they're walking around thinking they're saved, but they're a branch that has never been connected or abiding. And many of them think, well, I don't have to belong. And people go, well, well, can't you just be a believer? Do you have to go to church? Let me put your church like this. The Bible says that the church is the body of Christ. Jesus says, I will build my church, and my church will be my body in the earth. Somebody that says they're a Christian, but is not connected to a body, is abiding in themselves. And they think that they can bear fruit the same as being in the body, but you cannot bear fruit apart from Him. And so it's so important. Come on, if everybody here is too weird, at least find a tree that you can hang in. Get plugged in. Myself, I like weird people. I'm weird. Cool. Are you with me this morning? Now watch. Believe on Jesus sounds just so simple. But for them, once they heard and believed, they immediately were baptized into His death for their sin, that they might also be raised into newness of life. Acts 8, Philip went down and preached Christ to Samaria, and they were baptized. I have to get through this. Follow me this morning. The cross is the door to death and the path to life. Modern Christianity is content to talk about it and around it, but fears going through it. We don't mind going to church and hear sermons about the cross. hanging around it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Open wouldn't you mind hearing a good sermon that opens the door and lets us look on the other side. That's so cool. And you see that? All the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. Everything. Yes, Amen. I believe, yes. Amen. Yes. Hey, amen. I go? No. Here. Look at all that over there. Yes, amen. Awesome, awesome. That was wonderful. Awesome. Want to go? No. Why? I have to die. Yes, amen. But what's over here when you die? Life. Life. But you can't have life without death. You can't have life in Him without death. And yes, I come back over here, but the Bible says why? That we are translated out from this kingdom into the kingdom of His Son. And though we have to go back and live in the world, and while we're here, our citizenship is in heaven. Are you with me? But we don't mind talking about this. We just don't like going through it. It, it, it scares us. Stay with me. The cross, though, leads us to, to temptation. I mean, to repentance. The question arises is this. Can I have the promises of life in Christ without going through the death of the cross? The answer is no. When the devil came to Christ in the garden, he says, hey, see all the kingdoms of this world? Psalms 2.8 said that if you ask your father for them, he will give them to you. But the father's way is the cross. You know what? All this is in my authority. I'll give all this to you. Just bow down and worship me. 
Because you can have everything that you're entitled to ask for, and you don't have to go through the cross. There is a preaching in, in, in Christianity today that says you can have everything that Christ has. You don't really have to go through the cross. Just believe in the cross. You don't have to do the cross thing. Just believe in it. Amen. So the cross leads us to repentance. Now, let me just say this. Nothing this side of life leads to life or will remain. Nothing on this side of the cross leads you to life in Him. Nothing over here leads to life. And nothing you produce over here goes with you into eternity. Everything here passes away. There's coming a day when all this will be dissolved and removed. The only thing we have there, that's why, and Sean read it, lay, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Have your heart there. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. There is a reward. Paul said when he wrote to the church at Philippi, when you communicate to me and support me in my mission, there, there is a fruit that abounds to you in heaven. I, I'm anxious that you would bear that fruit, that you would have that placed in your account there. Are you with me? Pastor, why is this so important? Because I think as a whole, we miss it. And I watch people and, and, and just that's what I do. I just watch people. And it's so easy. We live over here and we do all this stuff. And it's so easy to do all this stuff. But my life is still my life. It's never that place where I found that new life in Him. Amen? I'm not going to go down through all of this, but look down at the bottom of this page. All this brings us back to, well, I, I need to cover this on, on repentance. Repentance is not merely a change of heart. And it's not just being sorry. It's a change of mind. Amen? It's a change of action. True repentance bears fruit of proof. It's founded in the understanding that the wages of all sin is death. That there's no good sin and no not-so-bad sin. How many have ever told a little white lie? Raise your hand. You've ever told a white lie? A little white lie? Okay. which is really just a lie. Okay, But it really wasn't that bad. It was just a little white lie. Okay, So how many have ever stolen just something so insignificant? I mean, they had so many they wouldn't miss it anyway. You were a child and you stole apples out of the neighbor's tree. Oh, that's where all my apples went two years ago. I know they buy these pins at work for me to take home. I know they buy this paper so I can keep my printer full of paper. I know these paper clips and rubber bands, they buy them in bulk because they know I need some too. Well, no, that's like a little white lie. That's not stealing. We're doing all right. Got quiet in this Holy Ghost Bible-believing church. Amen. 
The other day I was at the store. And I put my shelf checkout thing and I looked down and there were three bucks in there. Somebody forgot the cash. I went, sweet. The Lord said, is that yours? I said, no, but they left it. Kind of like the lady that found the lottery ticket that the other lady threw away. How many heard that story? The lady, someplace, some lady went in, the store told it wasn't no good, she threw it away. Another lady pulled it up and then went online and looked and it was good and won a million dollars. Probably she's already spent like 975000 of that million dollars. <laughs> so now she's being sued to give it back anyway. So I just picked it up, I gave it to the checkout guy, I said, hey, somebody forgot this. Because in reality, somebody might get you their car and say, hey, I forgot my change. Anybody turn that in? But somebody probably wouldn't go back for three bucks because they think, well, some, who, would, who would turn in three bucks? But sometimes it's not the amount. God wants to see where you're at. God's just checking you out. It's not about the three bucks. It's about God checking you out and you checking yourself out. Amen? So you say, Pastor, what I'm saying? Well, but see, all this, that's literally what Jesus said with the law. And the law brings to the place that shows us that we're not supposed to lie. We're not supposed to steal. We're not supposed to cheat. We're not supposed to covet other people's stuff. We're not supposed to have lustful thoughts and do all that stuff. We're not supposed to take the Lord's name in vain. I won't ask anybody to raise your hand if you've ever cussed and used the Lord's name in vain and doing that stuff. But if we've done that, now I'm guilty under the law, so that means I am a sinner. I'm a self-admitted sinner. And so by virtue of the law, then I need a Savior. And by virtue of the fact that I'm a sinner, then I have to repent of my sin. And so I can't just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and not repent of my sin. Or else I don't value what He had to die for. Amen? So the law proved that we could not be good enough on our own. It's our school teacher and leads us to the conclusion that we need a Savior. If we need a Savior, then we've sinned. If we've sinned, we have need of repentance. Repentance then is passing through the door of the cross, dying to the old and being completely transformed in Christ. As the worship team comes back. This brings us back to abiding in Him. Being seated with Him and bearing fruit that is worthy or proof of repentance. Without the preaching of the cross and true repentance, there is no true Christianity. There is a form of godliness, but no power. Hear me, guys. There is a form of godliness, but no power. Then we have a Christianity that has no power over sin, no power over death, no power over the curse, and no power over the grave. Jeremiah says this, verse six, chapter 6, verse 14. He says, those that have said, peace, peace, have only slightly healed my people. There are those, in the midst of judgment, God says, I'm judging. God sent Jeremiah, and I was thinking about this, uh, God raised up Jeremiah, tell my people to return back to me, to live for me. Because the nation of Israel did this. Here's what the nation of Israel did. Mike shared in communion. They were in bondage of sin. God says, I'm delivering you. I'm bringing you out. They crossed out of the slavery of sin, and in, in, out of slavery, entered into the promised land. Once they got there, they took this for granted, crossed back over, and went back to doing everything God delivered them from. And then they thought they'd go back in the temple and keep doing that. And that's when God says, hey, what you're doing is not pleasing to me and it's not even accepted by me. 
Jeremiah 6 and 7 are made. So God raises up the prophets and says, hey, listen guys, listen guys. If you don't come back and do this right, there's a judgment coming. And while Jeremiah was prophesying, there were other prophets that got up and said, oh no, peace, oh, it's all cool. All good. And the Lord said, the word of the Lord was, hey, these have only slightly healed my people by declaring peace. Turn to the last page of your outline. I encourage you to just go through this and look at it. We already read about being grafted in. We have an amazing promise in Christ of being raised in newness of life. This is ours and we make the choice to live in the truth. There's so much that He has to give and to show us. He has sent His Spirit to reveal all that is ours. Jesus said, that I have so much to say to you, I can't, so I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to tell you. If we could have it, know it, and produce it apart from Him, then the Holy Spirit would not be needed. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was proof that they had been grafted in. Acts chapter 11, Peter went to Cornelius' house. He's preaching Christ to them. And while he's preaching, the Holy Spirit falls upon them. And they hear them begin to speak in other tongues and prophesy. And Peter says, who am I to forbid them water? Seeing how God has grafted the Gentiles, the wild tree, into the natural tree. So who was I to deny them water? Seeing how God had done that. But the Holy Spirit coming was proof of that. And it remains for us to continue to walk in and abide in truth. Third John Verses 2-4, through four, John says this, My dear children, for whom I love, I have no greater joy than to hear that you walk in the truth. As your pastor, that's all I'm trying to do. It's so important that you walk in the truth. If somebody has told you all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the beginning. But the reality is I have to repent. I have to turn from my old way. I literally die. I'm buried with Him in baptism. I'm raised with Him in newness life. And now I abide in Him. Are you with me? Watch the last of this, your outline. We teach, Paul said, we teach all men, we warn all men that we present all men perfect in Christ. If you and I were to stand before Christ today, we would have to give an account for the life that we have lived. We'd be called upon to offer evidence of being in Christ or to show the fruit of our connection. The devil is the peddler of counterfeit truth. That the old is just as good as the new. That God is love and He won't judge you. He knows you did your best. The works of your life are as good as anybody else. But this is a lie based on works, not grace or faith in Christ. People tell you, well, you know, I'm, I'm as good as anybody else. I've seen Christians, I'm as good as they are. Probably so. But your confidence is in what you've produced. Not in what Jesus did on the cross. Think about this. If the sin of the world and my life had to be paid for by the death of God's Son on a cross, then I will not escape the judgment of my sin if I do not die to myself and live for Him. But if I repent and turn from my old ways and choose to be grafted into the new life He offers in Himself, then I live in the fullness of His promise for my life, and I'm truly seated with Him in heavenly places. Everybody just look at me just for a moment. I know everybody in here knows everything I've taught you this morning. That we know that. But it's so important that you know, that you know, that you know what it means to be saved. That you understand the fullness of the power of the cross. 
You have friends, you have relatives, you have workers, people that you work with that don't know. You need to know what this is so that you could sit down with somebody and explain why they need to be saved. Somebody says, why do I need to become a Christian? Well, come on, we need to know. Paul says, or Peter wrote and he says, you need to be able to give people an answer for the hope that is on the inside of you. Why believe on the Lord Jesus? And if we can't explain to people sin, the consequences of sin, why Jesus had to go to the cross, and what it means for us to give our life to Christ, then I don't know about... I, I think when, when my school friends die prematurely, I've gone back to my classroom and I've been made a fun of. My best friend in high school. We were best friends in high school. When I went to my 10-year class reunion, he heard I was a pastor. So we're at the Friday night reception thing. Stand up, Austin. He comes up to me. I'm up at the refreshment with the bar thing. Come here. And, and, and I'm getting a soda for Sue and I. And he comes up. Hey, Tom. How you doing, Steve? Oh, man. Blah, 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 blah. Amen. Mocking me because I'd given my life to Christ. I hear you're a preacher now. I said, yeah, I'm about to lay hands on you. <laughs> Later, though, and I just loved him. Later, though, he came up. And I'm sorry. Messing with you. And a few years ago, when we were in Seattle, I've been trying. I've tried ever since that tenure. I tried to contact him. A few years ago, we were up at Vision. I finally found out he was in Seattle. You know where I found him? In a recovery mission, living in a mission. He w- he was he was Mr. Popular in high school. Had everything. Came from the family. All the stuff. All the toys. A hot rod car. Everything. You know where I found him? Destitute, broken, alcoholic. In a skid row mission in Seattle. Got to go. I finally got him to agree to see me. Got to go be with him and love on him. Now he's living for the Lord. Amen. But I have other friends that have passed. Let me just... Why would God... Give a cross to his son. Because the Bible says he's not willing that anybody would perish. And people who don't find the cross and make it into life in him, hear me, friends, they'll spend eternity in hell. Eternity in hell. The only way God could rescue people from hell. Through the cross. God says this is the only answer for your sin. And the only way for us to make it is to go through. Years ago, I, I've, I've been doing a lot of examining. Just for me. I've been pastoring all these years and it scares me sometimes. God, did I mislead anybody? Did I give anybody a false assurance? Have I made anybody think salvation was cheap? And all they had to do was just this. And they were okay. The Bible says, don't be many teachers. There's such a need. Everybody wants to be the teacher today. The Bible says, the minute you get out, you'll be accountable for any life that you influence. 
And over the years, I've had lots of people ask me about different doctrines and doing different things. And I've always told them, I said, you know what? I kind of preach the way I do because I have this fear. I'm not a dreamer. I don't see a lot of crazy stuff. Pastor Sue dreams more than me. She had a dream one time of being at Great America with our laundry as we're waiting in line to go on the ride and stuff. She had a crazy dream. I don't dream like that. I said, honey, let it go. It'll be there when we get home. Amen. Enjoy the ride. But I kind of have this vision that keeps me sober. That the Bible says there's a judgment day coming. And everybody will stand before God and give an account. And if their name's not found written in the book of life, the Bible says that they're separated to hell and eternal judgment. And I have this kind of vision of somebody pointing and saying, but you told me I was saved as they're being dragged to hell. Preacher, you told me I was saved. But he said I was saved. I said, okay. <laughs> I'll make it as clear as I can. Amen? Because I say it like this. If you think I'm hard here and you make heaven, at least I'll be able to say, hey, psst, look where you are. Amen? But when we have friends and we don't know where they are, hell's a real place. And even, I, I read a thing the other day about altar calls. I've asked the group just to play this song called I'm Coming Back to a Heart of Worship. Today I'm not apologizing, I'm not in a hurry at all. Because I believe eternity is at stake today. But this says, when the music fades and all is stripped away, and I simply come just to bring a heart of worship back to you. Worship is not what you sing. Worship is your heart given to God. What we call altar calls began with Charles Finney during his revival meetings in 1825 to 1935 during that time. It wasn't where we they never invited anybody forward and prayed with him. They invited them forward to what they called the anxious seat or the mourner's bench. People who were wanting to know about this life in Christ, wanting to know more, were invited to come forward. And they were prayed with and taught more about what it meant to accept Christ, what the price was to follow Him. Jesus said it like this, if anybody will come after me, let him count the cost. And he lists a great cost. The cost of relationships. The cost of having anything have a hold on you. The problem is, everything we have in life, all this over here, guys, has roots in us. To have life in Christ, I, I have to be willing to let all this pulled out and to be planted brand new in Him. Take new and let brand new life begin to grow. They sing this song this morning. It says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Something in you today, if you heard something today, God's pulling on your heart in any way. There's something in you that 
needs to strip away, fall away, anything, whatever it may be. And I invite you just to come forward and seek Him. Seek some time with Him. Just talk to Him. I don't have anything to give you. The best I can do is lead you to Christ. Lead you to Him where you respond to Him, where you open your heart to Him. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and then hearing what He says and desiring to be baptized into His death and you can be raised up in newness of life and live that. You need that as they play. You just come. Pray together today. Spend some time. When the music fades And all is stripped away And I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's of worth That'll bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required. Yeah. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. Yeah. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Where it's all about you, yes. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. word no one could express, yes. How much you deserve Though I'm weak and poor All I have is yours Every single breath Yes, Lord, we love you I'll bring you more than a song Yes, we give you our lives, Lord We give our lives to you, Jesus died for us. We live for you. I'm searched much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you. Yes, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the 
thing I've made it. And it's all about you. We love you, Lord. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you, yes. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made, and it's all about you. simply come longing just to bring something that's worth that'll bless your heart yeah. I'll bring you more than a song for the song in itself is not what you have required yes lord yes you search what's deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart i'm coming back to the heart of worship Father, today we bless you, we thank you, we honor you. Lord, today we know, Lord, not from guilt, not from condemnation, but Father, from amazing grace, we understand that you loved us. Jesus, you didn't come into the world to condemn us, but you came to save us. Lord, we know the only reason You went to the cross 
was for our sin. Today we believe on You. Not just in word, but with our whole life. We choose You in the life You give. We want to be planted, grafted in, living completely in You. Help us by Your Spirit to say no to the temptation. To produce out of the old and call it new. We want to live for You. We want to honor You. We truly want to abide in You. Thank You for loving us. Thank You for giving Your life for us. We choose to repent and truly change and live in righteousness for You. We bless You today. And we do so with more than our words. We'll live like it and honor You. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen.